Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everyone left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with bereavement professionals. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Janet Christofaro, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Depending on the situation, parents can play bigger or smaller roles in kids' lives, and sometimes no role at all. Then there are the times when a parent plays such a huge role that the void they leave behind when they die is beyond measure. For today's guest, her father was one of those parents, a stay-at-home dad until she was 14, a dad who was at every single practice, performance, and game. He was a huge presence in her every day, cooking, trying to fix her hair when she was a little younger, and sharing his big love of life in his signature Italian style. Then one day, he wasn't there. He was supposed to pick her up after school, but never showed up. She decided to go to her friend's house instead of heading home, and a few hours later, she got the news that would change everything. Her father had died of a heart attack. In shock and angry about all the things that would be different in her life without her father, Lily was devastated. This was at the beginning of December and halfway through her junior year of high school. As she made her way into this new landscape of grief, Lily sought to fulfill her father's wish that she do what he didn't have the opportunity to do, to graduate high school and go to college and grow into the powerful whirlwind of a woman he raised her to be. Now, Lily is a newly graduated senior who's leaving in just a few weeks for college. Lily, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. We're going to be talking today about what it was like to be a high school student when grief barreled into your life, and what worked, and mostly what didn't work for you in terms of support from friends and teachers, and some suggestions that you have for other teens facing the death of someone significant, And uh, yes, listeners, we are going to be breaking our own rule of not giving advice today, but just know that these are gently offered suggestions, just things that worked for Lily. But before we jump into all of that, I'd really love to start with, like, let's talk about your dad. What was he like? How are you like him? I think the main reason why him and I ended up being so similar is because we, he was a stay-at-home dad until I was 14, like he said, and... I spent a lot of time with him at home, and he taught me how to cook and clean, and I love grocery shopping, just like little errands and things that him and I would do together. But also something that I learned about myself more so after the grief was the way that we express ourselves is so similar quiet, shy, keep all your emotions to yourself. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Um, He was just the kind of person you could always tell what he was feeling. Like, if he was sad, he was this big, intimidating man that would cry. And if he was angry, you could just feel it in the room. But if he was happy, like, you you just knew it. And I think after my grief, I really realized how much I just needed to express things and get things out. Whereas say my mom and my sister just weren't like that at all, which definitely was challenging at points grieving. Like that you're grieving so differently all in the same family. You're grieving the same person, but you're doing it in a much more outward-facing fashion, and maybe they're more reserved or private about it. Yeah, for sure. And 
So sometimes I would feel guilty for crying or being angry or upset and because they were just so, I guess, uncomfortable with it, whereas my dad would be so okay with it and would be angry and sad with me, and he wasn't there to do that. I know in our conversations over the last year and a half, you know, there's a lot of emotions that go into grief, like sadness and frustration and confusion, and, and anger has been a big part of grief for you. For sure. How did that show up? I found that it was mainly anger towards my peers. I think it's challenging when you're a teenager losing a parent because it's relatively uncommon. Like, it's very unusual for a teenager's parent to die of old age or something like that. It's usually tragic illness or an accident or something unexpected. And so, like, it feels like you've been robbed of something, robbed of time, robbed of experiences, them being there for your graduation or your wedding or being grandparents and things like that. So there was definitely a lot of anger for me in that. And then having my peers, everyone around me, just not understand at all, end up saying things that are a bit (laughs) frustrating. And I remember when I first came back to school after my dad passed, And one of my classmates every day just complaining about the drama production or something and just being so mad about it. Suddenly things that maybe in the past you would have been worked up about seems so trivial and then being frustrated with other people's continuing to be frustrated about things that you are now experiencing is trivial. Exactly. And I know it's maybe not fair to be mad at these people because they truly don't understand, but that was what frustrated me so much is that they didn't. And even my closest friends, my best friends, who did actually know my dad and were close to him, they still couldn't quite understand, and I couldn't really expect that from them. From talking to you today, it seems like angry at the fact of how different your life suddenly was, and there was no one that could connect with you about it. Yeah. Exactly. I know you've got a lot to share about what suggestions you might have for other teens who are in a similar situation for you. They're in high school and a parent or a sibling or someone who else who plays a really significant role in their life dies. And I'm also wondering if you might have a few tips for friends and teachers out there about what to say, how to be supportive, what kinds of questions feel good, what kinds of questions do not feel good. Yeah, I think that there's not very many resources for teens. I think that there are a lot for grieving adults and maybe even grieving children, but I feel like through trial and error, I got some ideas on the best ways to handle things. At home was the biggest impact, I guess, how I approached school because he passed in December. There was like two weeks before winter break started, so I didn't go to school for those two weeks, and then winter break came, and that was about two weeks. So I didn't go to school for a month. During that month and then after for quite a while, I was sleeping in my mom's bed. It was actually, I think, a really good thing because my mom wasn't alone in the bed that she slept in with my dad, and I wasn't alone and terrified that something was going to happen to my mom and we were just together and we made sure that the other one went to bed and wasn't up all night 
we would watch Golden Girls before bed every night. <laughs> we would, then in the morning, we would wake up and decide what our limit was for the day. What so, do you mean by limit? So it could be I want to go to school for a full day. I want to go to the school for a half day. I just want to take a shower today. There's just a huge range of what the best you can do in a day is when you're so confused and disoriented in the very beginning stages of your grief. And so I was able to wake up in the morning and look at my mom and decide, do I want to go to some classes today or do I just want to do my laundry? My mom would then be able to figure out what she could do to help support me in whatever my goal was for the day. So if I said I want to go to a half day of classes, maybe she'd know that, oh, well, your first period class is really important, so maybe you go for the first half of the day. So you'd have a goal, and then you'd work together to strategize how to meet that goal in a way that worked well. Yeah, exactly. And also just being accepting of it's okay to have a small goal. It's okay for your goal to just be to eat three meals today. Or it's okay to try and shoot for a sleepover or something. That, that I found definitely really helpful to have that time with my mom in the morning. As far as the school side of things, I found the best way to go about it was to set up a plan with my counselor. So not going directly to each teacher and, I guess, negotiating different circumstances or different accommodations, um, going to the counselor to figure out what exactly I need, and then the counselor can then establish that with each of my teachers. And this was your school counselor? Yes, yeah. So, like, things, examples of things that were on my list of accommodations was being able to leave the class whenever I wanted and not having to ask for permission or take the pass or something like that because... Raise your hand and be like, grief happening, gotta yeah, go. You exactly. just get up and leave and the teacher knew what was happening. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, if need be, put a note on the teacher's desk saying, I'm going to X and then going to the library, the bathroom or something, and then just be able to walk out because I think especially with my grief, I would get really frustrated with my peers and... Um, especially if we were talking about something and, I don't know, grief or death or whatever theme in our literature book was, <laughs> I would be able to just walk out. Along with that, I think it's really important also to have a place to go. For me, it was my debate coach's classroom. I would go in his classroom and just kind of sit in the back, and sometimes he would have a class, sometimes he wouldn't, and he knew the situation, he knew me really well, and he just kind of got it. Also, just being able to have something to distract myself, like drawing or something like that. That was pretty big for me because I find that after I lost my dad, my focus was just all off. Like, I, like hard to concentrate? Yeah, it was hard to concentrate. And I found that my memory was really bad, too. Like a test that would usually take me 15 minutes to study for took me an hour to study for because I just couldn't retain things the same way I could before. Being in class and being able to have my primary focus on the lecture or whatever and then the kind of the back of my mind, my secondary focus on drawing instead of wandering off into the grief and all that was really helpful. I was like giving that distraction a place to go. Yeah, 
exactly. The final thing and probably the biggest thing for me was being able to have time. Being able to have extra time on assignments and things because my focus was so off and also just because there were days where I couldn't go to school at all and or I could only go for half days or I was gone for that month. Just being able to the teachers being able to be flexible enough to give you that extra time was definitely very important for me. So you really had to get in touch with what you needed and then work with your counselor and advocate for yourself with your teachers for the accommodations you needed. And, and all of this went into place and, and then you graduated on time. <laughs> like it worked. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely a point because I lost my dad my junior year and there was definitely a point where I really didn't think that I was going to graduate on time. I ended up, I did actually end up dropping a few classes, um, just like ones that I didn't need to graduate and was taking almost more to fill my schedule and things that I valued. Like I was taking a psychology class and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't really need it to graduate, and so just kind of making sacrifices here and there of things that I may want to take, but it's honestly better to just have that extra time and have one less class to worry about. And in a sense, you were taking an intensive class on grief. Yeah. You know, you didn't get course credit for it, but you were learning a lot about grief and yourself and how it manifests and what grieving teens need. And Yeah, for sure. What are the top three things that folks said to you after your dad died that were not helpful? And on the other side of it, what are three things that people could say instead? People necessarily didn't say it directly to me, but there's a lot of everything happens for a reason or this too shall pass and things like that that I know are intended to be a positive and uplifting, but... It's kind of like, tell me the reason why my dad died at such a young age. I mean, tell me why I don't get to have him in my life. Is it so I can have a more appealing college application? Like, is it so I can write poetry? Because it doesn't feel worth it. And then the, like, this too shall pass. The way I look at it is you're always going to be grieving. Like, yes, it'll come in waves of intensity and all that, but it's never going to fully go away. If you were to tell me when I first was grieving that, oh, well, this this will go away in a year and a half, it's <laughs> that's not helpful <laughs> to just be, because I'm still going to be in the thick of my grief for a year and a half. And, and then you I, get to the end of the year and a half and grief is still with you. You're like, well, what did I I do wrong? I didn't do it right if I'm still having this experience a year and a half later. Yeah, exactly. And I think it'll always be with me. And then I think the biggest thing that had me really frustrated was, well, when I first came back to school, my English class was reading The Stranger, which is basically a book that starts off with the main character's mother dying. And then later he ends up murdering someone and then in the trial, they're basically deciding if it was the murder was in cold blood or not based on the way he grieved his mother. So I was basically in a class full of high schoolers discussing the proper way to grieve, which was horrifying. <laughs> I was that also definitely contributed to my anger and a huge part of why being able to leave the classroom was <laughs> a really great thing. 
Yeah, nothing like feeling like your grief is on trial as well. Yeah. Just being part of this classroom discussion. Yeah. And then as far as things that were helpful, I think it was just helpful when people either acknowledged that they did understand or that they didn't understand. So the people that had experienced a loss, it was helpful when they told me like, oh, well, I lost this person and I absolutely understand what you're going through. And for the people that hadn't lost someone to acknowledge that they don't understand. Like people saying like, oh, well, my cat died. Like It's, <laughs> it's so different from losing a parent. So there's a caveat on someone coming up to you and saying, I've had someone die too. I know what you're going through. Maybe approach it from a place of when I was 14, my mom died. This is what it was like for me. It might be different for you, but I just wanted you to know that I've also had a parent die as a teen versus my great, great, great grandmother died. So I totally get what you're going through. Exactly. I, I feel like you can't quite express to someone how much they don't get it. They don't understand how much they don't get it until they've lost a person. And then they look back and think, oh yeah, no, I really didn't get it. And so when my close friends would come to me and say, I ha- I don't understand what you're going through, but I'm going to be here for you through this whole thing was really helpful. Yeah. So if you don't get it, just say, I don't get <laughs> it, that you can still show up and be supportive in that. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're getting ready to move. Like you're getting ready to leave the town that you grew up in with your dad yeah. to move a state away. Like what's most on your mind right now as you're preparing for that? Down to the actual day my dad died, like an hour after he died, I remember just thinking, I just remember just yelling, he's not done. He's not done being a dad. He still has to watch me graduate. He has all of these things that he still needs to do. I think hitting those milestones of me graduating, me getting into my first college and knowing that how hard he worked to get me to where I am and knowing that he didn't have those opportunities himself, it is definitely really difficult to know that he's not going to be with me for these transitions, especially because I have an older sister and I know how he was for her. I was there when my sister got into her first school and the look on his face was just incredible and like him helping her move and then sneaking down to her school to (laughs) buy her lunch or something and wanting that for myself so badly. My mom actually asked me a few days ago if I would like to ask anyone to come with us to help me move. That actually was more challenging of a decision than I had anticipated because part of me was it's been my mom and I against the world for so long I'm just thinking about those that time we spent me sleeping in her bed every night for months and watching Golden Girls and just thinking like it's just you and me against the world at this point and we got to do that then thinking about me being 5'2 and her 5 foot and trying to (laughs) hang things on the walls (laughs) you might literally need some help yeah (laughs) and then she kind of sent me a list of possible people and I was, I guess, surprised at the people that I was so against coming with me and the people that I really would be okay with. And I think it was really the people that knew my dad I was okay with. Even though they live all over the country and I don't know them as well as maybe some of the other people on the list, I would be more okay with them there because they remind me of my dad. Is there anything else in your 
in your grief or in this process that has surprised you as well? Um, I mean, the anger, of course, did surprise me. And also just the way that I expressed things and just really realizing how similar I was to my dad because I did see myself as more of a mama's girl. (laughs) I think it's because my parents are complete opposites. I'm a lot of ways more like my dad and my sister is a lot of ways more like my mom and I think because of that I was more drawn to my mom my sister is more drawn to my dad and oh, interesting yeah and so I guess just realizing after he was gone just seeing the ways that my mom and my sister were so similar and then missing my other half was really surprising to me one of the oddest questions I think sometimes that comes up for people who are grieving And it'll come up in our groups a lot of like, what would you say to the person who died if you could see them one more time? Inevitably, most people say, I love you or what happened. But as you're looking at starting this new chapter of your life, have you imagined a conversation you would have with your dad about it? Um, something I I have thought about this question a lot because it does come up a lot with grief and Something that I've always been incredibly thankful for is that there isn't really anything that I wish he would have said to me because my dad was such an expressive person and he wore his heart on his sleeve. I knew exactly how he felt about me and how much he loved me and how proud of me he was. And especially with a loss that was so incredibly sudden, he wasn't sick at all. There was nothing wrong with him health-wise. It was just a heart attack and it's the kind of heart attack that just happens there's no way to stop it it's he was gone within seconds and so I obviously didn't get my last words with him the way someone who maybe struggled with a long-term illness did I was so so lucky that he didn't leave anything unsaid And so when I really think about it, and I've talked with my mom and my sister about this, of what we would want if we got to see him again, all of us agree we would just want a big hug. Because my dad gave the best bear hugs. He was just the kind of person that just, like, being around him made you feel like everything was going to be okay. You just knew it and you felt it, and I think that's why a lot of people were drawn to him. I just really, really miss that feeling of everything is stable and okay. That's really what I want in this time. As you're talking, Lily, I'm reflecting on the time you and I have spent together sitting in a room full of other grieving teens and recognizing that that's a lot of what you brought to our group was that stability and that that reassurance to the other kids that would come in the room. It's going to be okay. It sucks, but it's going to be okay. That means a lot. Thank you. Well, Lily, thank you so much for coming in and talking with me today. You know, we've known each other for a while, but it's really an honor to have this conversation. Thank you so much. This has been really great. And listeners out there, thank you for joining us. Thanks for being our audience. We hope that you, you know, got a little bit of an insight today into what it's like to be a grieving teen and teachers and counselors and administrators out there hearing how helpful it was for Lily and for other grieving teens to have some accommodations. If you are out there and you've got an idea for something you want us to talk about on this podcast or something you disagree with or someone you think would make a great guest, reach out. We're at help at Dougie.org. 
You can listen to all of our past episodes on the website, dougy.org, or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever platform you're using these days. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time. 